Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here alongside me, my partner on the airways, as always. It's Sarah Jones. Sarah, how are you and where are you? Well, hello, Nino. Hey, everyone. We are in Colorado still um, for another couple of days, and it's going to be a whirlwind of back and forth and this place and that place and headed. So we have got lots of days of travel ahead of us. And um, you know what? Got a lot of emotions coming up with all that. So Ooh, yes. And that's what an interesting segue, because today we wanted to talk a little bit about emotions. And so maybe you'll share a little bit with us how those emotions are kind of affecting your decision making, because what we're going to talk about today is just that. How is it that emotions affect how we manage money? And sometimes how we manage money affects our emotions. Uh, But before we jump into all of that, Don't miss out on valuable financial insights. Subscribe to the New Money Habits podcast today and unlock a wealth of knowledge to empower your financial journey. Stay up to date with the latest episodes as Sarah and I discuss practical tips, host expert guests, and have thought-provoking discussions on all things money-related. Hit that subscribe button now and join our community of savvy listeners. So Sarah, when you say a bunch of emotions are kind of bubbling up, what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, Nino, is emotions play such a huge part in our financial decision making, right? And um, I think we've got a really good episode. We're going to talk about all the ways, not all of them, lots of ways that it can show up, right, in our finances. But I think, it, you know, it's important to remember that, um, you know, emotions don't really they shouldn't hold a place when we're making financial decisions. And I know people are going to be like, well, how the heck do you do that? Well, I'm still working on it. I I am not the expert and can't say do this and do that. But um, I I think that we allow emotions to make kind of have such a huge influence in our decisions. Right. And when we do that, I believe we kind of lose some of our own power and some of our own control. Um, And it oftentimes leads to feelings of regret, feelings of frustration, feelings of, you know, I need to justify this. And, and Mm -hmm. um, buyer's remorse comes in, right? When we make a lot of purchases um, using our emotions as the, the leader in those decision-making processes. So I think I'm excited to share some of these, how they show up and, and um, give our listeners, you know, give all of you out there some, um, some ideas because you may not be aware of them. You know, I certainly wasn't for many years. Yeah. You know, it sounds like it's a little cyclical where the emotions charge a decision that charge an emotion that charges <laughs> and, you know, and it's just this cycle. Um, mm-hmm. And so there, we'll talk maybe at the end too about some ways to try to discharge some of these emotions. Uh, Some things came to mind when you said, how the heck do I do that? Right. And I'm right there with you, Sarah, not the expert emotions still get the better of me. In in fact, some of uh, the stories I'm prepared to share with our listeners today are, are just that they're personal stories of how emotions 
affected some things. But let's start off with an emotion that it's, I think it's kind of obvious, but maybe most people aren't even thinking about it when it happens to them. And that is boredom. Boredom is an emotion and it affects the way you spend money. So Sarah, you got any personal or client stories that relate to boredom? Oh boy. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, and I think this is something that certainly my clients, I, I want to share a couple of um, stories with clients here. And I, I want to point out that the clients were not aware that this emotion was so greatly affecting their finances, right? They weren't aware mm -hmm. until I started bringing it up until we started talking about it, right? When are these purchases, when are these decisions being made? Well, I'm bored. And for one, it's when she's at work. She works at a, um, a desk job. And um, sometimes work is, is kind of slow. You know, there's not a whole lot going on. And so what she does is she finds herself on that good old Amazon app, right? Oh, and um, scrolling and looking and, and um, you know, it's that boredom that really fuels it because she's not doing anything else. You know, she's, so she picks up her phone, you know, that, that app is on there, right? And it, it's so easy for all of us to do that. They make it easy. Companies make it easy. Hey, download this app. So it's, you can just get in one click pay and you're done. Right. So there's, mm -hmm. there's some other things, you know, involved in this, but her boredom really gets to her sometimes. And then what happens is if she makes these purchases and then a couple of days later, these things come in the mail, oftentimes she didn't even remember making them. Right. Because it was wow. almost not a conscious, you know, a fully conscious decision because the boredom was what was fueling it. Right. Mm. And then feelings of like having to justify them. Oh, well, I've been looking at this for a while or, oh, I, you know, I really need this. And so we've really had talks that I don't want you to justify your purchases. If you're feeling like you're justifying a purchase, then there's something else going on, right? Making the purchase isn't the problem. It's that you allowed boredom to take over, right? And it influenced your purchasing, your buying decisions. And um, if you haven't planned for those decisions, you haven't planned for those purchases, it does throw off your money plan, which then leads to stress, frustration, because you've gone over budget or you don't have the money for something else or you have to pay a bill late, right? And so boredom really greatly affects your um, your financial um, life, you know, your money plan each month. Um Similarly, I've got a client that does a lot of shopping in the evenings, going to bed, you know, trying to fall asleep. You know, she's bored and, and trying to fill her mind, right? And does a lot of shopping for the dogs, right? And then gets mm. up the next morning and didn't remember making those purchases until going over the bank account and thinking, what the heck did I purchase? Well, that boredom really influenced her decisions, right? And, and again, it just leads to that, that hamster wheel that you had mentioned, you know, like you get on and making this decision, then you're feeling frustrated. Then, you know, maybe some guilt comes in and it just, these are things that we don't want to experience with our money. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be ways to uh, address boredom at large, but uh, for your client who uh, is susceptible to Amazon, that's why the wish list 
is so great, right? Like, just put it in the wish list. Don't put it in the cart. Put it in the wish list. You'll feel like you did something, and you're still spending the time doing the same thing, except at the end of it, what you're not doing is spending any of your dollars. But that's neither here nor there. I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that's a great tip, right? I mean, that really is a great tip. Don't put it in your cart. Put it in your wish list. So later on, you can go through when you're planning to make some purchases, when you've, you know, planned, you're not letting boredom take over. Um, you know, you can go through your wish list and see, is this still something that I've planned for that I want, you know, that, that is going to make my life easier, what have you. Um, I actually recommend, and this is another great tip. I actually recommended she take the app off of her phone and disconnect her bank account card, you know, her debit card, disconnect mm-hmm. it from the app. So you can't just do the one click. You need to physically put in your card each time you make a purchase. And so what does that do? You're more intentional with that purchase. You know, it's not just this click the buy button and it's done, right? So there are some steps that you can take when boredom comes to call, right? There are steps that you can take so that you're not actually making the purchase. Yeah, and that makes me think about how we live in a world of convenience and we all like things as simple as possible. And to your earlier point, companies have gotten really good at removing as many barriers as they possibly can, right? Like save your payment information, save your shipping information so that you don't have to repetitively put these things into into play. It makes me think, excuse me, that... Uh, as financial coaches, one of the things I'm doing with my clients subconsciously, but now now I'm conscious of it, is I'm putting barriers in place so that you're you have to jump these hurdles and basically convince yourself that this is truly something I need or want, and that it's been planned for, and so I'm going through all of the steps to acquire it. Um, you know, I, th- I think about even something as simple as the the cash envelope system, right? It's mm-hmm. it's taking money out of the bank, putting it in in a envelope, only having that envelope with you. Like you're putting in these barriers so that you're more mindful, more mindful about how you manage your money. I love it. So. All right. So boredom uh, is certainly one. I think more people are going to be able to relate with this next emotion, and that is stress. We all deal with stress. There's different levels of stress. There are different stressors, different things that stress people out. Um, There are things that my wife worries about that I don't worry about. There are things that I worry about that she doesn't worry about. We all deal with stress. But that also means stress can be one of those things, again, that affects our financial plan. The you know the plan that we've created can get blown up real quickly if we don't manage our stress well. So, I think you have another client story for for stress. I do, and you know this one comes from a client that has younger children at home and had a car that wasn't um, kind of breaking down a lot. You know, and they didn't want to keep putting money into it, and they used the the words, I had to buy a new car. I had to buy a new car. And because they were so stressed out with the other one breaking down. And listen, I have been there. I'm probably going to share another story, a personal story about that in, um, you know, later on in this episode. But 
when you're so stressed out, I think what happens is, is you're, again, you're allowing that stress to overtake some of your more rational thoughts, right? And you don't allow yourself the, the gift of working through the scenarios. You go into the car lot and people, you know, car salesmen, I'm not talking bad about them, but they're really good at their job and they're there to help you purchase a vehicle. They don't care what your monthly budget is right? They don't care if you can actually afford those payments or what those payments look like. They're there to sell you a vehicle. And sometimes when you're so stressed out, you know, about, you know, is your car in good condition or I have to put more money into it? Um, it just, it, the, the stress, right? It kind of overtakes your other, I'm going to call them rational thoughts, you know, and, mm. and, um, you know, some of the other process that you could take and, you know, this particular client there, uh, they have two new vehicles and those payments are over $1,100 a month, which is over 25% of their monthly income. Now wow. that leads to more stress because those payments are so high, right? And mm -hmm. so they, they used stress as that, that emotion to purchase the new vehicle, which then just is causing more stress because the monthly payments are so high. And we could go into all the other things, you know, the, the kind of the snowball effect of that. But the main point here is, is when stress is that, that emotion that's guiding your decisions, um, more often than not, I've seen it actually causes more stress in your life. It does not relieve that initial, that original stressor that you had. Mm. Yeah, that's very relatable. Um, as I shared on, uh, the podcast about a year ago, <clears throat> we were dealing with that same thing. Uh, a car that was constantly breaking down. I wanted so very badly just to continue to repair it. Uh, but when it was creeping up over $10,000 in repairs, it was, do, do I continue down this road that has no end in sight or do I buy a new car? And, and so like that stress of do I, don't I, do I, don't I. Um, so my my advice in, in that situation is get a second opinion, right? Your opinion is I got to get out of this car. I need to buy a new car. Right? Mm -hmm. But uh, truth be told, get a second opinion, work around uh, some things, or at least get that second opinion to start to reduce the stress of the situation that is causing you to make that decision, right? Yes. I uh, finally decided to, uh, let go of the van. We bought a new car. We're in a lease payment, but that was not that was not a knee jerk reaction. That was a methodical go through the process, you know, look at the numbers, go through all the scenarios, um, and not get yourself into eleven hundred dollars worth of car payments. Yeah. And I'm certainly not saying not to purchase a, a newer vehicle or new to you, right? Like that's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about when that stress is the, the guiding um, light of that decision-making, right? Then your, your brain, it, you're not making the, the rational decision. Your brain is not looking at all the other things that, that are going to come from that decision. Right. And, and, right. um, so just like you said, you know, get a second opinion. I think that that's really powerful and, and look at all your options and I'm just going to put a quick plug in. There are some really great used cars out there, guys, you know, like 
and, and, and if you have to have a car payment, I'm not going to even go down that road. There's nothing mm-hmm, wrong with right. a car payment necessarily, right? If, if you, you need a vehicle or a lease payment or anything else, we're not demonizing that part of it, but really we're just bringing to light the, the, the emotion that led to that decision. And then what then is the right. consequence of that decision because you let that right. emotion guide you. Yeah, trying to make a net neutral emotional decision, like trying to get the, the emotion out of it. Uh, real quick, I'll even mention one of the options, one of the scenarios we had to play out is we have a second car that is paid for. It's the car that we bought when we first found out my wife was pregnant with our first child. And so it's old and it's got a lot of miles on it and it's a bit smaller. But one of the things we considered was, can we make it work on the older car and just one? And we really talked that through and we came to the conclusion that we couldn't, but at least we can, we truly considered it. And so that's just one of those things to kind of get the emotion out of it and just say, Hey, do do we have another option here? Right. I want to shift uh, to another emotion that's very closely uh, related to stress. Oftentimes uh, stress can lead to fear and fear can be, you know, fear of the unknown. It could be fear of lots of things. Um, I have a client story that's specific about fear of missing out, which Mm. is definitely something that this culture uh, experiences a lot of nowadays. We all have FOMO, you know, um, and I think we, I think that's more so true when we look at things like the housing market, or we look at like our retirement accounts and it's like, man, I I think I missed out on getting into the housing market when it was lower, or I missed out on this really interesting stock tip, or I missed out on the GameStop price hike thing a couple of years ago, or I missed out on crypto. Fear of missing out is is something we're definitely dealing with. And and so then people want to get involved in in things. Uh, Sometimes a little ahead of schedule or, or just a little bit premature. And so I have uh, a client who um, in the past has missed out on acquiring investment property. Uh, there had been either family situations or close like relatives or whatever, where properties were being let go. He could have picked them up pretty much on the cheap. And so, um, you know, he felt he felt like he missed out. And so another opportunity came and he pulled the trigger. And here we are about eight months, 12 months into that decision. And it's been a learning process. It's been, there's been ups and downs and there's been frustration and there's been excitement and there's been just another array of emotions after the the decision was made, we're going to take this opportunity because we've missed opportunities like it in the past, and we're not going to miss this one. We're just not. Okay, you're in a financial position where you can. think it might be a little bit premature, but just understand that you're going to learn a lot, and, and education usually costs you, right? Whether you're paying tuition to a university or you're paying tuition to life, you, you're you're going to pay to learn this lesson. And so um, I just think it, it's less about 
their decision specifically and more about what drove their decision. And that is that fear of missing out. And I think that that it affects a lot of us that we get into a place, you know, I know that what two, maybe three years ago, I got into the cryptocurrency market because it was kind of blowing up at that point. And at first I saw some impressive gains, but I'm a holder. I'm not into this whole day trading thing. So my fear of missing out got me to buy and I saw some huge gains and I did not sell. And I still hold those assets today. And they're worth a fraction of what they were worth when I bought them. And so my fear of missing out caused me to, to, to act in one way, but apparently not act in the way that I would have actually made some money. Anyway, I digress. FOMO, it affects how you spend your money. It, it definitely does. And... You know, and I see that I, I personally have never been <clears throat> like the FOMO type. You know, I, I just, it's never been an emotion that, that has, um, played a huge part for me. Um, my husband, it played a, a part for him, you know, for a while. We've worked through a lot of that now, but I see it with a lot of clients and even, you know, um, um, some of our friends, you know, and people that we hang out with, you you know, you kind of, you see the FOMO kind of creeping in, you know, like, oh, everybody's got the new phone. I need to go and get the new phone. What am I, you know, they, they mm -hmm. talk it up. And, and um, so this, I and I think, you know, these things are so common. So, you know, any of you mm -hmm. listeners, any of you guys are feeling this, don't feel, you know, bad or, or, um, you know, we're not coming down on you. I think, Part of this is just to share that this is so common. You know, these emotions are so mm -hmm. common for us, but we don't talk about them a lot. Um, you know, the FOMO has never been a huge thing for me, but fear has definitely played a part. And just yesterday, um, and this is a little bit different take on, you know, how fear has shown up for me. Um, but just yesterday... I was going through and doing tracking um, of our spending over the past couple of weeks. We've been really busy. I did get behind in some of, um, you know, our tracking. And as I'm writing down all the numbers, um, James and I have spent more in the past couple of weeks out of, and I'll, I'll label these air quote, extra categories, categories that we don't normally contribute to, or we don't normally spend out of, right? And um, we have spent a lot more out of those categories than normal. And so this fear, we're just like, oh, crap, like we've spent so much money. And, you know, then this fear, like, how are we going to pay for this? And what, you know, how did this happen? And all of these things and this scarcity, because I've talked a lot about my own scarcity when it comes to money, you know, this comes up for me, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, take care of this? And then I had to look and remind both of us that, you know, part of us working the rally, the Sturgis rally, um, um, was so we, and we specifically put money aside for these extra expenses. We specifically created, you know, a little sinking fund because we knew that we wanted to make some of these purchases. But mm. yesterday when I was tracking that fear clicked in because it's, it's one of my default emotions, you know, fear is just one of my default emotions. And that's what came up first is like, man, oh man. Um, but then I had to remind myself and I got my sticky note here with it. <laughs> I had <laughs> to remind myself, Sarah, you guys saved for these purchases, right? So get, 
Get rid of the fear. Fear has no place here. You saved specifically for these things. We saved $1,500 for these purchases. We spent $1,544. So we did, we spent $44 more than what we had planned. Um, I'm okay with that. But I really had to pull in um, the reminder of like, fear doesn't have to be your first emotion here. You planned for this already. Right. And I, I, I want to bring that up. So, um, if you have these emotions, it's okay to remind yourself, Hey, this doesn't have to be your default emotion, right? doesn't have to be the one that the guides and you don't have to feel guilty for making those purchases. You plan for it. It's okay. Move on. Yep. Yep. You shouldn't have, you should not feel guilty about plan for purchases, but when you kind of lose sight of, I plan for this. I have money set aside for it. I get it. Um, another closely related emotion to stress and to fear would be anger, but it is different. And and I have a um, a personal story about how anger affected a decision that I made that had a huge. Uh, effect on our financial everything. So I may have shared on uh, the podcast before, but I was working W2 work in uh, 2020, uh, just as the pandemic hit. And uh, the organization I was working for is one that I had worked for and with for a long time, had grown uh, very kind of attached to this organization. These are all the things that I realized in hindsight, like I didn't know it at the time, but um, it's a place that um, had to let me go a couple of times, brought me back. And when they brought me back the last time, it was under very specific terms. It was um, that I was going to be in a very specific position in a very specific department within the organization with very specific influence on how that department was going to operate. Okay. So, um, very specific terms. So the pandemic hits. And of course, like most organizations, first, everybody started working from home. Then it was, well, now we got to like resize the organization because, you know, we're, we're just getting hit hard. And so there was a massive layoff and I've been, I've been affected by two of their past layoffs brought back and I had seen others. And so it wasn't the layoff, but during this period, it was, um, Nino, we value you so much that instead of eliminating your position and letting you go, we're eliminating your position but we're going to move you to this other department in this other role doing this other thing. Um, and at first I was like, okay, well, like at least I'm not losing my job, but something just didn't sit right. And it, all this information about like, no, 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 Nino, you came back to this organization on your terms. It was to be in this particular role, in this particular department with this in particular amount of influence on how that department was going to run. And now you're in this completely different department. You have no influence. 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I got angry. I mean, furious to the point that like my anxiety was out of control. I was taking mental health days. I need, I actually was like, I need to take uh, a short leave of absence. I took a two week leave of absence. I mean, I was so angry. And I did whatever I could. I started to uh, go to a therapist. I, like that's how, like this shook me so much that I I did what I could. But it, ultimately, after that two week leave of absence, I came back and I told my new boss. I said, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to accept this transfer. It has. N- it's no reflection of you. It's about the organization and." And you guys need to let me go. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, like I'm not quitting, but you need to let me go. Uh, and so I walked away from a $90,000 a year paying job because I was angry. Now, I'm a man of faith and I, I didn't make that on a whim. I knew I had like, God was going to take care of me in other ways. There was other income coming in. But my my reason for sharing the amount is because I'm a blue-collar kid from Buffalo, New York, who was the first to graduate high school uh, in his immediate family, who never imagined he would ever work a white-collar job that paid him 90 grand a year. And I was walking away from it because I was angry. So anger, strong emotion that can lead to big financial decisions. It can, it can. And, you know, I, that, that story is so powerful for so many reasons, right? Um, but what I really love about it is that, um, <laughs> what I really love about it is that you're sharing it because how many times have, have, others of us, you know, had similar experiences. Um, you know, I've, I've walked out of jobs because I was angry before and no plan. I did not have a plan in place. (laughs) Right. And, and Mm -hmm. it just goes to show how powerful emotions can be when, um, looking at our finances, you know, and our financial decisions and our futures and everything else. And, and, you know, I think it's important to Note too that not everything turns out to be negative, right? That there are some really positive things. However, um, when you get used to letting those emotions be the guide, you know, for making those decisions, I think more often than not, things are not going to work out the way you want them to work out, right? And we we don't learn how to really trust ourselves because we're letting those emotions come in. But um, that's a powerful story, Nino. It's one of my favorite to tell for a, a slew of other reasons too, but um, it, it it was a shocker. It was a shocker that uh, when I look back at it, because I continued on, uh, I'll, I'll go on this tangent for just a second, but I, I continued on with the therapy and so many things came up about like how close I was to the people in the organization and how they became like family and and how there was like correlation of this decision to like my parents divorcing when I was nine years old, like there were like these connections that I didn't even realize. And that's why I felt so hurt and betrayed 
and and I was so angry is because decisions were being making were being made for me, not with me. Mm. Had they come to me and said, "Look, this is what we need to do, and this is what we're thinking about doing. We're thinking about putting you over here." That would have been different. But decisions were being made for me, not with me. And that, oof, that got me pretty riled up. <laughs> um, I bet. I bet. And I still feel some of that coming. There's there's still some there. I mean. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little. Maybe a little. Yeah. All right. So. Moving on to another very uh, common emotion, another very relatable emotion is uh, we can be affected and, and we can start making really wildly different financial decisions when we experience loss. And I know for you, Sarah, you have a personal story around loss and mm -hmm. how that affects you. I do. I do. You know, and, and I've shared before that. Um, you know, James and I were have been debt free twice. And the first go around, we were debt free for only four months. And um, I'm not necessarily blaming going back into debt the second time on this loss, but it definitely played an enormous role in some of our decisions that we made. And um, we became debt free in July of 2010. And the first part of 2010 was kind of rough for our family. You know, some things happened financially, but we still hit that debt-free mark, you know, in July. Um, but the end of October, my dad was killed in a motorcycle accident and just really suffering, you know, that it was a tremendous loss um, for me, you know, and, and bring in a hundred other emotions into this, right? Um, but at that same time, my vehicle was kind of getting to a place where passenger side window was taped up. You know, there were, <laughs> I had run the, the vehicle literally to the ground. James was like, we need another vehicle. I'm tired of working on this one. And, you know, I was so stressed out about, there were several losses, you know, going through the grieving process that, you know, and all of this that started making these decisions, you know, purchase, it was a new to us vehicle. And, uh, um, I remember going, we are, um, avid motorcycle riders. And I remember going and saying, let's get all new leathers. I don't know how we're going to pay for it, but we deserve this. We'll figure it out later. That's the, the terms, you know, and the, the excuse that I used in that period of time for a lot of those decisions that we're making, like, we'll figure it out later. I don't know how we're going to do it or figure it out later. You only live once, right? Like you only live once is what I kept saying. And because I had really suffered such a tremendous loss and it was very, very difficult. We made a, a crap ton of decisions that looking back on, I really wish we had not have made. I really wish we mm -hmm. had not have made. Um, but I was really letting that loss fuel you know, those decisions. Um, we could get into a whole slew of, you know, why some of that happens. We don't need to, but the, I didn't have the coping tools, you know, to get through that, um, period of time. And, um, because of that, that's how some of these other financial decisions came into play. And so we ended up going into, um, I'll say at least, uh, 
24, $25,000 worth of debt within a couple of months, you know, before the end of 2010, um, you know, ended. And, and a lot of that, some of it now, you know, we could argue wasn't necessarily, you know, my fault. There were some medical, other medical expenses, but it doesn't negate the fact that the loss was the overriding emotion, you know, during mm. a lot of that time. And um, we just didn't plan for, a, uh, you know, those expenses. We didn't plan for purchasing a new car, um, but we just let that emotion carry through. And um, I think for many people, that's very common. You know, that loss happens and it's very common to start justifying, right? And start saying, well, you only live once. Let's just do it. You know, let's, because we, we start to look at life a little bit differently, but I think there are other ways to, to do it that doesn't create a lot of negative effects, you know, negative consequences down the road, which our decisions definitely did during that time. Yeah. Yeah. Loss, especially the loss of like a very close loved one, um, really just sends us into a whirlwind of bad decisions. I know that I was 21 years old when my father died and uh, it, it might not have been fan financial, but I made a slew of bad decisions in the wake of loss um, that when I look back, I'm just, all I can do is shake my head um, and thank God that I don't behave like that anymore. Um, that, uh, and so I, I know too from so that's kind of personal experience, but like with some of my clients, I've uh, I've worked with them during some tough uh, tough times. I remember working with uh, a young woman once that, uh, in the wake of the loss of a relationship, um, she she kind of made a, a hasty decision to move cross country and and she was moving from uh, a part of the the country that was. Um, the the cost of living was really really low uh and so um her work from home job those dollars went really really far to she was moving to a place where the cost of living was at least three times as much and so her dollars were not going to go nearly as far um it, but the, you know at the end of the day I'm a financial coach I am not a grief counselor or any type of licensed psychotherapist. And so as much as I may have tried to help her kind of manage the feelings and the emotions that she was going through, my, my focus was really like, how can I help you not make a complete mess out of your financial situation while doing this? But the, the move happened and, and things got tight and it, and it was a pinch and she got through it, but I feel like she um, uh, subjected herself to a bunch of stuff that just didn't need to necessarily happen because she was reacting out of that emotion of, of loss for this relationship. Wow. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, what really comes to mind for me is it's, it's heartache, right? Like it really is this heartache that, that plays into it. And I know that, um, you know, you, you've got a story too about, you know, how heartache, you know, and, and, and loss, how they just impact us so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. There, I do have another, um, one that's a little bit more specific around like the idea of heartache. And so, um, 
I'm, I'm going to tread really lightly with this story because I don't want to divulge too much of uh, the information. Although our listeners don't know who this person is, it's still just the details. The details of this story are really, really tough. Um, but let's just put it this way. As working uh, with a couple, primarily, almost exclus- exclusively with uh, the wife of the couple, uh, husband was on board, but was kind of like traveling a lot and doing all this other stuff. And it was like, I, I don't necessarily want to sit down every other week and, and do this. You know, you guys figure it out. Tell me what's happening. and I'll just go. And so working with this couple eventually come to find out that uh, their daughter needs uh, inpatient care uh, first for some very traumatic stuff. And so um, in in this wake of heartache and disbelief and 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 I mean part of that was also like anger and, and a bunch of other I mean sometimes these emotions are not a singular emotion right they're a, they're a flood of a different emotions but at the root of this one was devastation and heartache um my client couldn't see a way that to to get her daughter the treatment she needed without taking out a home equity uh, loan or line of credit. And just being able to walk her through that and actually show her like, no, actually with with the assets that you have and with the surplus that you have and all these different things, you know, like tell me about like how much is it going to cost? And I'm like, okay, and with these programs here and a little bit of funding coming from there, I'm like, actually, you guys can, you can, uh, afford to just cash flow this. Um, it, ju- it just means a little bit less of a surplus. It means not hitting these other financial goals, but this now has become the priority. We're going to put these other things on the back burner. And the the amount of relief, the you know, she had enough stress in her life that to not have to worry about this. And to not have to go further into debt to take care of it really freed her up to focus on supporting her daughter to the best of her ability without being constantly worried about how are we going to get her the help that she needs. And it's like, I'm like getting misty eyed just recalling this, this scenario because to help somebody experience that much relief where now their focus could be where their focus needed to be, which is on their child and not on their finances. It's humbling. Yeah. Wow. That that's a really powerful story. And I think it just goes to show how, how important having that second opinion really is because when we're letting the emotions and we're so deep in this, you know, in, in the emotion, how many emotions, right? All of them, you know, especially it sounds like, you know, that, that, that situation where having somebody else there that can walk us through that so that we're not putting ourselves into another situation, you know, that that's maybe not equally, but certainly, um, frustrating and, and, um, you know, and, and puts us in, brings up a whole lot of other emotions, right? And so having somebody to just walk us through it and say, no, you know, here's actually what you can do. You're helping them relieve stress. And, you know, you were there to help them 
take a breath. You know, even if it was a small breath, that breath was, I know, and I don't know this couple, but, but I, I know how much of a relief that really, um, gave to them to take that little bit off their plate, right? That, that their focus, as you said, was, was on their daughter and they didn't need to worry about these other, these other pieces. And how important is that, um, during a, a really stressful, um, probably stress and anger and heartache and loss and all of it. And love plays a, a huge role in all of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, it, it, it was, it was quite a trying time. Um, but they, they got, they got the help that they needed. And, you know, all these years later, things are much, much different. Uh, speaking of love, I have a personal story about love that starts off a little bit playfully and then not that it gets serious, but it, it gets a little serious. So <laughs> I think about different emotions and how they, they drive our financial decisions. Right. And so when my wife and I, uh, fell in love and decided we were going to get married, you know, there's going to be a cost to that. Right. And so, um, Interestingly enough, I was the one that wanted the big, big wedding. She was all like, let's keep it low key. Like, there's no need to do all that. And um, and so, you know, we started down this process of like planning a wedding. And then I remember that the, uh, the next emotion that kind of affected this particular series of events was annoyance. And not with my wife, but with my mother. <laughs> So that call, that inevitable call of, hey, mom, your boy's getting married. And she's all like, oh, yay, that's so fun, blah, 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 blah. Now, make sure you invite this person and this person and this person and this person and make sure that these people are invited. And, th and I'm like, whoa, hold on. I haven't talked to half of those people in decades. These people are not active people in my life at this point like like why would i what are you talking about so i got annoyed but it was just the a right amount of annoyance for me to then get on the same page with my wife who was all like can we just keep <laughs> it simple and can we just keep it small and i was all like simple and small sound great so we saved ourselves a fortune on our wedding because we kept it small and we kept it simple. And in fact, I think we aggravated a lot of people in our social circle. But at the end of the day, my wife and I decided and realized our wedding is about our union, our, uh, our commitment to one another under uh, the sanct uh, sanctity of uh, God's provision. And we're like, you know what, that's, right there that's enough for us we don't need all this other uh shigala and shenanigans and tomfoolery and bamboozlements and every other synonym you can come up with for crazy so we kept it small we kept it simple and it was great <laughs> i love that um and i laughed i laughed through your whole story because um i find myself like recalling, you know, when James and I got married and you just know, you know, like, and, and how many people have 
you know, as clients, we've helped walk through this process that have experienced very similar emotions, right? And certainly the Mm -hmm. annoyance is probably top one. Let's just, let's just be um, honest here. And, and uh, I love it because, um, you know, it really is love is an emotion, right? And, and, you know, there's a lot of other stories I'm sure that we could bring in that aren't nearly as uh, humorous as yours. Um, Hmm. But love is an, it's a very powerful emotion that does fuel a lot of um, our decisions, you know, and, and um, it's worth bringing up. So people are aware of it, you know, so, um, you know, I'm more aware of it and our listeners are more aware of it. Yeah. And actually let me give, our listeners are real practical, for instance, around like love and how that emotion affects us almost on an annual basis. Mm. So when you don't plan for the holiday season, like Christmas or even somebody's like birthday or an anniversary, and you kind of wait until the last minute, your love for that person starts to drive some weird sense of guilt of like, oh, but I got to show this person how much I love them. And and so I know for me and for a lot of my clients and just I've, I've witnessed this over and over and over again, if we wait and procrastinate, all of a sudden we overcompensate and we, we spend more than we would spend or we buy more than we would have originally purchased. And it just kind of gets weird. And so, uh, very early on in, in the episode, you had talked about um, like how to kind of combat some of this or how to neutralize the emotion. And one of the ways to neutralize any guilt or anything that comes as a, uh, as a result of how much you love somebody and you want to make sure that they know it is the further ahead you plan for these things, the less emotion and the more just kind of... Um, Net neutral. It doesn't mean you don't love the person. It just means you're not being completely controlled by guilt, not love, but guilt that comes with, but I love them so much. And mm-hmm. So the more you, the, the further ahead you plan for a birthday, Christmas, those types of things, the more you can kind of just be more thoughtful and mindful and sensitive to your own budget and spending habits to say, hey, if I got, like, I remember one year I got my mother, um, like, a, a portfolio for work. She's a licensed psychotherapist. So it just, like, had her name on it and her, her the initials behind it and whatever. It didn't cost a lot. And she was over the moon about this gift. But I know that in other years, I waited till, like, the last minute. And so it was all like, I got her this and I got her that and I got her this and I got her that. <laughs> and she's like, what is all this crap? Right? Like. And why did you get me this crap? So take time, be, be more, uh, forth, uh, have more foresight around planning for those things. Yeah. And I love that because truthfully, um, putting more meaning and more emotion behind it, which is, you know, kind of what we're talking about when you put, you know, more meaning and more emotion behind the gifts instead for the other person right? And you're pulling your own emotion out of it, right? Like these feelings Mm -hmm. of guilt and, and I want to try and prove something, right? Um, So Mm -hmm. when you change where that emotion, um, how it affects, you take it away from you and put it more on them, you know, like, what are you trying to create in their life? 
That's a that's a great example of how emotion plays a big part, but you're putting it for them, right? You're you're getting them a meaningful gift that doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but you are keeping yourself accountable too. You know, if our friends and family, and this is going to be a side note, but if our friends and family really if they knew how how we were letting emotion drive, you know, some of our financial decisions, they wouldn't want that for us. Right? Yeah. If they knew that some of these emotions were driving our financial decisions that were creating more negative impacts in our life, they wouldn't want that for us. They wouldn't want to be the receiver of anything, right? Um, Of any gift that put us in a negative financial position. And so, you know, it's that planning ahead. It's, it's that um, foresight. It's that um, how is the emotion affecting here? And how can I just, how can I make this gift great for them that doesn't put me in a negative um place financially and um i think it's great talking about emotions and money you know this is this has been mm-hmm. really fun honestly and and it's opened my eyes to some other areas right and um i uh i think it probably did for our listeners too you know kind of giving people a um a second thought of how emotions play such a huge role in our lives. Absolutely. And I um, I want to kind of wrap things up with a, an emotion that would actually hopefully come from like the, the scenario we just mapped out where like if you're being more thoughtful about gift giving and if you're actually thinking about how the other person wouldn't want you to be in a bad position because of uh, a gift that you gave them, there's an emotion that comes with great foresight and planning called relief. And I think you have one final story to share with us about how relief might, um, that, that feeling can, and emotion can affect the way that we manage our money. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes we, we think relief is, is, um, is, is going to help us, you know, when it's going to be really positive, you know, we're like, Oh, thank goodness this is happening. For example, you know, um, I had some clients that refinanced to their home, you know, and they had this tremendous amount of relief, like, oh, we're going to refinance, we're doing a cash out, so we can then take care of, you know, some of our other debt. And, and that relief was, that's what was fueling their their decision making, right? Like, we need to get rid of this other debt. Uh, you know, it's, we're just going to refinance our home. It's going to be so much better. We've got one payment. We don't have all of this other debt to have to worry about. And um, using that emotion to fuel that decision, um, it lasted for a very short period of time, Nino, because Mm. what they hadn't done is they hadn't addressed the fact that they were overspending every month. They were spending far more than what their income allowed for. They were spending more than what income they had. And so they were living outside of their means. And so that, that, um, relief that they were so longing for, right. And so hoping for, um, it was very short lived because they went right back into debt because they hadn't addressed the, the behaviors, right. That fueled Mm. the, the debt in the first place. And so when you use relief as your emotion, right. To, to make a decision, if you're not, again, getting that second opinion, you're not really looking at everything involved, um, maybe that relief is leading you in a direction that isn't as positive as you think it might be. Mm. 
I, I appreciate you bringing up that point too, because we want relief to be a result, a, a true result of making better financial decisions in a net neutral emotional state, um, but not one that is fueling. Because I think um, that when we use relief to kind of fuel, it's almost like fool's gold. There's there's this promise that's going to go unfulfilled, but we would rather you experience relief in your finances because you're managing them in a much more healthy way. And so if you are ready to take your financial growth to the next level, schedule a free discovery call with Sarah or myself today. During your personalized session, we'll discuss your specific financial goals, we'll gain clarity on your challenges, and we'll explore how working with a financial coach can accelerate your progress. Don't miss out on this valuable opportunity. Book your free discovery call now and create those new money habits needed to achieve not only financial freedom, but maybe some relief. Sarah, great conversation. As always, I really enjoyed this one a lot, and we will continue our conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.